This is The Double Shift, the show about a new generation of working mothers. I'm your host, Katherine Goldstein. Every mother works, and this podcast is about our stories. It's not about parenting or kids. It's about us and challenging the world we live in today. So in this bonus episode, we're going to pull back the curtain on the making of last week's show, Mamas of the Brothels, which is about moms who are sex workers in Nevada brothels. And boy, were there some stories behind that story. If you are just discovering The Double Shift, welcome, but be sure you go back and listen to that episode first, Mamas of the Brothels. That way, this bonus episode will make a lot more sense. So I'm very involved in every episode of the show, but since I live in North Carolina for the actual reporting of the story on moms who are sex workers, we decided it made the most financial and logistical sense for me to send two Western Double Shift team members instead, our editorial advisor, Amy Westervelt, and our executive producer, Sarah Ventry, who's my main collaborator on the show. So what you're about to hear is a conversation between me and Sarah. So like... Maybe we should start by having you kind of explain how you got interested in sending me to three brothels for the double shift. So in one of our early editorial meetings, uh, we were all throwing around ideas for the first season of, of the double shift. And our editorial advisor, Amy Westervelt, said, so she has covered sex workers and issues in the legal brothels in Nevada for a couple of years. She actually lives kind of near Reno. And she said that she actually had just been encountering women who worked there who were moms. And she felt like that there wasn't a lot of really good reporting coming out of the brothels, that a lot of times things are kind of sensationalized and that people don't really spend much time to get to know the women and try to tell their stories. And so her idea was that we should do an episode on the moms that work in the brothels. And so as soon as she suggested that, I was like, yes, 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 a hundred times yes, we're definitely doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I mean, I think like, obviously, the reason that I was so excited is that In thinking about the first season of of The Double Shift, every episode, I really wanted it to be something that people felt like they really had not heard before. And sometimes that's just perspectives and, you know, voices and um, ideas. But in this case, I think that this is actually like a profession and an entire lifestyle and an entire segment of the population that we just have never heard from before. So um, I that was exciting to me to sort of. Like not only have we, have we not heard about them before, I think m- most people don't realize this group even exists. And I think that there's actually what we learned from the episode was that there's a lot of similarities in what those women um, go through in their experience as working moms that that a lot of other working moms go through. So I just I didn't know much about sex work before we started the episode. And but I knew that this was a group that didn't get talked about. Okay, so as we're getting our story together and making all our plans, we knew this was going to be different than a bunch of our other stories because we actually usually plan our stories pretty meticulously in advance. Like we have our subjects lined up and we'll like have tons of questions and done a lot of research on them. And sometimes we often actually talk to the people on the phone like before the interview starts. So we have some ideas about what they might be might say. And we kind of knew that going into the story that that was going to this was going to be totally different. What were some of the challenges we knew going in, like how, how we knew it was gonna, not going to be like other stories? 
Well, I think for one thing, um, you know, we had very little idea of who it was that we were going to talk to ahead of time. We knew that, um, so actually the brothels have PR people, which was new to me, but Amy kind of um, hooked us up with those PR people. And we knew that basically like the way we were going to meet moms who worked at the brothels was through these PR people, but we had no idea who those people were going to be, how many of them were there were going to be. Um, we couldn't find out their names in advance. Even if we could have found their names in advance, uh, people work in the brothels under like a pseudonym. So we weren't able to really do any research on them. And we knew we only had two days uh, in Reno to do the reporting. And also another big difference is that all of our other subjects of the show, if I wasn't there in person interviewing them, I actually conducted the main interview myself. So we knew that this was going to be such an on-the-fly experience and that there were some kind of like trust-building things that we felt like it wasn't going to work for me to call in. So we knew that you and Amy would just be conducting the interviews as you got them scheduled and we would just have to like roll with sort of whatever happened. Right. So you're getting ready to head to Reno and you live in Phoenix. You're getting ready to head to Reno. You're flying in late, late at night. You're arriving late at night at Reno. Um, Then what happened? So basically then everything fell apart the night before everything was supposed to happen. Like everything fell apart. So the first thing that happened was Amy was supposed to be going to the brothels with me because she had reported on the brothels before she had some familiarity with them. And then her kid had the stomach flu and then she got the stomach flu from her kid and then her husband was out of town so like classic working mom situation like she had plans and then uh they were foiled by childhood illnesses and then one of the people that we were supposed to talk to at the brothels also had the stomach flu stomach flu is rampant Yes, it was rampant. Thankfully, I did not have the stomach (laughs) flu. Um, But I got there and it was really clear that Amy was not going to be able to come to the brothels with me, at least not the first day. The other other thing that happened was Amy. So like Amy had talked about, um, you know, she was going to pick me up from where I was staying in Reno and we were going to drive to the brothels together because they're like outside of Reno. And so the only way to really get to them is to drive. And so instead, uh, I had to, Amy arranged a rental car for me so that I could get myself to the brothels. And then part of the problem was I actually have never really driven in the snow before. Um, And so there was like snow in the forecast and there was this big question of like, is Sarah going to be able to drive in the snow? (laughs) And then like you and Amy are moms and you were like worried about sending someone who had never driven in the snow (laughs) off to just like drive to a brothel by herself in the snow. So Amy, as like a show of good faith, rented this like ginormous black SUV. She was like, that way, if it's snowy, you'll be good. You don't have to worry about the tires. You'll have like, you know, four wheel drive and everything. And it it seriously looked like the car that Tony Soprano drives. Oh my God. But the other problem was that the PR people for the brothels contacted us like the day before and was like, oh, actually, like the person I was going to have you talk with is sick and, and you can't talk to them. And then like a different PR person was like, oh, I'll I'll try to find some people to talk with you. But like you're leaving out one amazingly important detail, which was that 
we had been emailing with them for weeks. And then as you were arriving, they were saying, oh, we don't actually have a mom to talk to you. Right. <laughs> and so they were like, we could. F- do you want to reschedule? And you were like on the plane. Um, right. And it was like. And they were like, so it's like one thing, like they were definitely like willing to help us find people, but we we weren't there to just talk to anyone that worked at a brothel. Like we had, the whole point was that we had to talk to some moms. Right. And so then um, the plan on the fly basically became that Amy texted me a Google map of the brothels in the area and then just told me that they can't turn me away if I just show up because there's a bar in the front of a lot oh of the brothels. <laughs> and so you can just like, bro- she, I think the word she used was brothel hop. So she's like, you can just go brothel hop and then just like hang out in the bar area and just like try to talk, like try to chat people up and then just see if you can like get some interviews. Just and so find a mom. Right. Just like try to find a mom. So... I basically just like decided, okay, I'm going to roll out in the Tony Soprano van and then just like show up at the at the brothels that may or may not have people to talk to. And we'll go to the Mustang tomorrow and we'll see what happens. So so how were you feeling (laughs) after you got that text? So I um, so all of this was sort of worked out between you and Amy in the middle of the night, East Coast time. And I then woke up at like 6 a.m. on the East Coast and there were 24 text messages back and forth. And um, it was it's like the middle of the night on the West Coast. And I was like, go, like seeing how everything was just disintegrating, like Amy couldn't come. There was no there were no set appointments. We had no like plan to actually talk to a mom like I totally spiraled. I was like, I am a failure as a journalist, a leader and a businesswoman. <laughs> I <laughs> I was like, we have spent, um, we have a tiny budget and we have committed significant for us resources to send you on this trip with like the plane and the hotel and your time. And we were, and I was just like, I was so depressed because it was just like, I was so excited about the story. And I thought that this, I was going to have to chalk this up to like hard lessons learned in the, in the ways of being a podcast entrepreneur. (laughs) and um yeah so I and you guys weren't going to be up for hours so I was just sort of alone at the computer I think I sent like four or five frantic emails to you all like trying to think of ideas to how to fix it because it was also really hard because I was in North Carolina and I there was like very little I could do to like fix the situation at that point like I felt pretty helpless (laughs) right yeah right but then I think so then when you like you did send a few emails and a few texts. And then your last text was like, Sarah, just call me when you wake up. And then (laughs) I I called you and you sounded so nervous. And you were like, I do not think that just sending you to random brothels to brothel hop is really the best solution here. (laughs) And then, but then by the end of that call, we decided that that was really all that could be done. That was the only solution. There was no other Mm -hmm. solution than to just Mm -hmm. send you cold without appointments into a bunch of brothels and see what happened. Right. And on that exciting note, we're going to take a break to tell you about a podcast you might be into. Since you like listening to stories from powerful and inspiring women, I want to tell you about another show that highlights women who are trailblazers and generally kick ass wherever they are, Latina to Latina. 
Latina to Latina is hosted by broadcast veteran Alicia Menendez, and the show lets you listen in on some of the most fascinating Latinas in the U.S. who are changing the world of media, business, fashion, fitness, and so many other fields. Check out the wonderful recent episode with Chef Lorena Garcia. From Hollywood power producers to chefs building culinary empires to activists redefining bravery, Latina to Latina introduces you each week to women you'll come to admire. So take a listen and subscribe to Latina to Latina wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, we're back. So when we left off, all of our plans to do this brothel story were falling apart. And our only real plan was to have Sarah brothel hop and see if she could find some moms. And then at the 11th hour, we heard back from a brothel PR person who gave Sarah a few names of moms she might be able to talk to. At that point, it was all still pretty loose and on the fly, and Sarah wasn't really sure what was going to happen when she pulled up in her Tony Soprano car. So then my first appointment of the day was actually at the Kit Kat Ranch um, to speak to someone named Kumisha. And we ended up actually not being able to use that interview in the story. Um, but I kind of like showed up and I ring this buzzer to, to go into this brothel and they, they buzz me in. So I meet Kumisha and she was super nice. And I was like, there was music playing in the bar. And I was like, OK, we just need to find a quiet place to do the interview. So she asked me if I wanted to come with her to her room. And I said, sure. And then as she turned around to lead me to her room, she was um, wearing like a, a black thong and like this really pretty kind of lacy black um, bathrobe over it. And I just like realized that as she was leading me to her room, like I saw her ass like immediately. Uh, and I felt so nervous because I was like, should I be looking at her ass? Like, is that a problem? Like, this is like, I need to be professional, but like, am I being professional? Um, and then she takes me to her room and we sit on like a chaise lounge that's in the corner of her room. And as I'm getting all of my gear out of my little like rainbow Jansport backpack, I look up and I see that she has porn playing on a loop, like on mute on a TV in her bedroom. Um, and it, like I said, I just I had had like very little coffee and it had been like a stressful couple of hours like leaning in so I was not sure what to expect um, and then once we started talking she was like really forthcoming and really nice and like really open to telling stories and like she started you know talking to me about how long she'd worked there she showed me um, she got an award for Kit Kat I think it's called Kitty of the Year so she was like the top earner one year at the Kit Kat she showed me her award um, and we had like a really good conversation and then at the end of the conversation she walked me over to a keyboard that she had in her room and told me that she was a piano player and offered to play me some music and she did and it was awesome and she was like really good at it and and it, it was just like so cool to see someone like very much in their element in this space where I initially felt so out of my element and that kind of like set the tone for the rest of the day and really put me at ease and as I was like walking across the street to the next brothel to to interview I ended up interviewing Natasha next I just felt kind of like okay, this is like, it's maybe like there's things that are not what I'm used to, but it's also like not so weird. It's just like people being people. By the way, that video of her playing the piano is amazing. And we she didn't make it into the the main episode, but we're going to post that video on our Instagram so you all can see Kumusha playing the piano. So what is it like to be a woman 
walking into a brothel who's not a sex worker and is not a client. Um, how did how did that feel? What was that like? Um, so I was a little bit nervous. Um, like, so I'm I'm really fat, and um, you know have. I think like many women struggled with body image issues uh, in my life. And I was, you know, going into this space where I expected to just encounter a lot of very thin, very kind of conventionally good looking women. And I didn't know how I would feel about that. And I didn't know how they would feel about me. You know, I, I kind of wondered if people would be judgmental about me and my size. And I was so pleasantly surprised to see women of lots of different shapes and sizes, but also that it really felt like I did not feel judged by anyone in the space. I think everyone I spoke with was really, really kind to me. And then at some point, I was talking to um, someone named Leilani at the Sagebrush, um, who's bigger also. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about body image stuff and we were doing it in a brothel and I was not ever expecting to have that conversation but she was really positive and was basically like you know people like all different types of people and all different types of sizes and um, it's really about the connection that you have with the person and then she kind of looked at me and was like you could do this work too if you wanted and it it (laughs) felt like such a cool moment to have that I was totally not expecting to have talking to moms in brothels. Wow. Um, (laughs) That that is I mean, I feel like you made all sorts of interesting and unexpected connections. And there's so many levels to this stuff. And I think we both learned so much that like sort of challenged any stereotypes or expectations we had about both what sex work is like and also what those environments are like for the for the women at the legal brothels. Like it just it it, it, it totally um, all sorts of ex- any expectation I had before this the story happened. Um, I, th- I feel like we're really blown away and expanded. And then when you got back that night, you told me all about Natasha and like the amazing interviews you got. And like, I remember like I felt so relieved and I think it was also in some ways it was really a turning point for me in the show because it was really the first moment that I realized that what the ideas of the double shift were bigger than me and that it wasn't just about me interviewing people or my ideas for a podcast but that I could send uh, an experienced reporter into a situation and they could actually execute the vision of the show and without me there and in some ways I felt like that was very validating that this idea isn't just my idea that the double shift could be bigger than like any one person and so that was like very like when the whole story came together like it was it was after all that anxiety it was so validating that you know the double shift I felt like it was great a great sign of of things to come for the double shift. Thanks so much for listening to this special bonus episode of The Double Shift. If you'd like to see photos from Sarah's trip to the brothels and that video of Kumisha playing the piano, be sure you're following us on Instagram, at The Double Shift. And if you're into what we're doing, please tell your friends. You, our listeners, are totally amazing at spreading the word about this show, so please keep it up. It really makes a difference. Since you like our show, I want to take a minute to tell you about something new and exciting. 
Think about all the people you know and then all the people that they know. All of these relationships form a complicated, interconnected web. Wonder Media Network's brand new show, Web of Women, spelled W-M-N, dives into what makes us who we are as individuals and communities. Host Jenny Kaplan starts things off by interviewing four women she knows from different parts of her life. Then each of those women picks someone to interview, and so on. They talk about politics, gender, religion, and other facets of identity. Web of Women is a new kind of podcast that illuminates the intersection of relationships, identity, and community. Check it out and subscribe to Web of Women wherever you listen to podcasts. Our executive producer is Sarah Ventry. Our editorial advisor is Amy Westervelt. Our editor is Rachel McCarthy. Special thanks to the Southern Documentary Fund. Our theme song is by Palehound, and we're part of the Critical Frequency Podcast Network. This show is made possible in part through the generous support of the Ford Foundation. I'm your host, Katherine Goldstein. Thanks for joining The Double Shift.